Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back with another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Christopher Stock once again. We've kind of neglected spring football here on the podcast, so I think it's time to get into things. Just some some of our quick takeaways on offense and defense. Um, we'll take the first half of the podcast, share some of our takeaways on offense, have a conversation about those things, take a break, then jump to the defensive side. Um, Chris, how are we doing? Doing well, doing well. So, yeah, I, want, I actually want to start here, Chris, just before we um, started recording, some news kind of broke in the world of college football in the state of Florida that our listeners might find interesting. Um, Randy Shannon has reportedly um, been added to the Florida State football staff as a defensive analyst. Um just wanted, you know, curious what you what you make of that move. Do you find it interesting? Do you think it impacts things much at all um, with with Florida State football and Florida State recruiting? Sure. I mean, you can't. You've credited Randy Shannon for his recruiting locally here in South Florida. So if, if Florida State adding him to their staff, it certainly would help. You would think, you know, just with the ties that Randy has, and I think, you know, just going back on just remember covering Randy as a defensive coordinator, you know, he's always been credited for his work on the defensive side of the ball. So if he's able to add anything defensively, his expertise and experience would certainly be a benefit to the Florida State staff, just the way that Miami is excited about some of the analysts that they've added to their staff recently. So you got to think it's a a positive thing, especially for a guy that with experience, head coaching experience to add in as an analyst is pretty impressive addition. Yeah. I think it's an interesting move, you know, like you touched on, right. The Miami fan base being excited about the addition of Bob Shoup, right. Who has defensive coordinator. um, He's been a defensive coordinator at, at schools like Penn state, Tennessee, Mississippi state, Randy Shannon, obviously has similar pedigree, been a head coach at Miami, of course. Um, But, but I find it interesting because, you know, Quite frankly, I think he is a more qualified defensive coordinator than the defensive coordinator they currently have on staff and Adam Fuller. So if I'm Adam Fuller, I am certainly looking over my shoulder. Um, so I think that's interesting. If, if things don't go well during the course of this 2021 season, uh, FSU has an easy move to make when it comes to promoting Randy Shannon in that role. And then number two, You know, Florida State obviously does want to make a push recruiting wise into South Florida. And Randy Shannon, of course, has deep ties in the South Florida area. 
And so he would, he would certainly help them in that regard. So just wanted to open with that uh, kind of interesting breaking news here as we were pressing record. Um, but yeah, let's get into some spring football takeaways, Chris. Um, offensive side of the ball. You and I both have a couple of talking points. We don't know what each other's talking points are going to be, um, but but I'll give you the honors. Where, where do you want to start? Where do you want to go with this? Well, I want to start with Tyler Van Dyke. You know, he's a guy that we've obviously talked about, and, you know, he's a guy that people have been excited about. And, and I think mentioned before, or, you know, just with different takeaways and things like that, but just the big takeaway I have with Tyler is look, they liked him before. It just seems like they really like him now. You know, the staff, the players are speaking very highly of Tyler. Obviously we've not been out there, but they really like him and they like his toughness, his leadership. And I know these are some things that have come up before, but it just seems like they're, they're really speaking highly of him more than before. And I think that's one of my big takeaways from the spring. And they've only had the one scrimmage so far. Again, stats come from UM. They yeah. were good on Tyler's points. So, um, again, they didn't mention inter- who had interceptions. So, right. uh, you don't know that. But, you know, completion percent yards and he threw a touchdown pass for whatever it's worth. Uh, came back good. So, you know, I think that's kind of my big takeaway. And, and I will, you know, just kind of sprinkle in Jake Garcia played well um, in that scrimmage as well. And he's a guy, again, dealt was slowed with an injury to begin with. And I think it's a good sign that he's out there and he's able to perform against a defense. And I think that's a good sign too. So the quarterback position general, but just really specifically is Tyler Van Dyke that people seem to be really impressed with them more speaking more highly about him than they did uh, in the fall there. I know I'm kind of expecting Tyler to be the backup this year. Um, you know, I think that was probably the expectation going into spring. Are you, are you ready to kind of just say that right now? Like, yeah, I'd be surprised if Tyler Van Dyke is not Derek King's backup this year. Oh, he'll definitely be the backup. I don't think there's any question about it. I think he had the upper hand over Peyton going into this, you know, he's always, he's beaten him out before and, um, and then Jake's just new. So you, you guys know that I like Jake Garcia's ability and his upside, but I just think it's going to be Tyler Van Dyke on the backup role. And, I think it'll be important for Tyler to have a good summer because, again, everyone expects D.R. King to be ready to go in that opener. But Tyler has to operate and yeah. work this summer like he is going to start. He needs to have that mentality, not sit back like he's going to be a backup. He's got to get it out of his head that Derek will be ready. He, he needs to really be ready for that game, and then we'll see what happens. And obviously, you know, th- there's no reason to think that Derek won't be out there based on what everything everyone's saying. But just it's a, it's a big offseason for Tyler. I'll say this um, about Jake Garcia. You know, I, I do agree. Like Tyler, there is some separation there right now at this moment, right? But Jake Garcia and, and you know, came out, put up impressive numbers in the scrimmage. I tried to ask around, like, you know, how much was he really working with the first team, second team, third team, et cetera. It sounded like, you know, the majority of his snaps were with those backup uh, units, which is which should be expected. But I would not just gloss that over and overlook that. In my opinion, you know, at the college level, ballers ball, right? So you put Jake Garcia out there in his first ever college scrimmage. And whether he's uh, going against second or third team guys, he's putting up numbers. He's finding a way to produce. And while that seems like that probably should happen, it doesn't always happen. So I think that is encouraging. 
in terms of the quarterback battle that is shaping up for the 2022 season uh, between Tyler and Jake. Now, can, can Tyler maintain that separation? That's going to be the, the big question, but I think everyone around UM was highly encouraged by what Jake Garcia showed in his first college scrimmage. Do, do you have anything to add there on Jake or should we move on? Uh, no, same, same kind of thing. Yes. Producing always is important regardless of who's on the field, but also you got to take into consideration who we was throwing to. Sometimes you're going against backups. You're playing with backups as well. So mm -hmm. I think it all works out. And I, I'm just big on production. So that's definitely a good sign. And I do think, you know, Tyler will stay in that backup role. And yeah. I think, I don't think that they'll ruffle any feathers on the coaching staff. I think the only thing that you'll see is look, if, if Tyler's going to get that first crack, whenever that might be, you know, sure. Um, and, and maybe it won't be all season, but um, I, I think the thing to watch for is, is Jake, if he gets opportunities or if Tyler gets opportunities during the season, if he doesn't do well with him, uh, Jake's certainly right there. Yeah. I think this is kind of the, the scenario Miami wants at the quarterback position. You want kind of the older guys to have that separation. So you want the guys who are younger to feel like they have to work even harder, push even harder to overtake them. And, and that's kind of the position Jake Garcia is in, who probably is more talented than Tyler. Um, but right now it is not a better college football player than Tyler. He's got to work hard to get to that point. So we'll see if he does get there. Um, I want to get into the running back position because I think Rhett Lashley made an interesting announcement. Um, I think it was on the Joe Rose show. It was some uh, local radio show where he was being interviewed. And he basically came out and said, you know, in, in 2021, this season, he wants a lead running back. He wants a featured back, a guy who they can count on. He threw out, I think, the 20 carry number you know, somewhere in that 20 carry mark um, with, with the running back position this year. I found that interesting because, you know, you don't really see uh, coaches in general make that kind of proclamation with the running back position. It's kind of evolved over the years into a position where a lot of guys share carries. Um, and, and that was definitely the case last year. I mean, Cam Harris was kind of, the lead guy, but as the season progressed, the, the carry totals were kind of sprinkled more evenly. Um, but Rhett Lashley said, you know, he wants to know who the guy is, who they can count on um, this year in a game. He feels like that helps them get in a rhythm, which helps them produce more. He also said, you know, you look at the college football playoff, all of those teams had a lead running back that that offense knew uh, it could count on. I'm curious, what, what did you make of that uh, proclamation that Rhett Lashley made? And, and did you like it, Chris? I think, yeah, I think when he said it, I, I was a little surprised. Look, uh, let's let's be honest. I, I think this is all shaping up to be in Don Chaney Jr.'s team uh, at running yeah. back, to be honest with you. I think that's Agreed. where this is headed. And I, and I say that. It might be interesting if anyone's listened to whatever I've said. I, I've been very high on Jalen Knighton. I've I've said and I still believe Cameron Harris was the best running back last yeah, year. He was. I just think this is shaping up to be John Cheney Jr. because, like you said, he just mentioned he wanted to feature back. So if you look at all three of the guys and you're like, well, who's going to be the most suited for that? Jalen, because of his size, and maybe he's not able to do everything or, that you like from a running back in terms of going inside and maybe doing 
everything there. And then, so I think of that. And then I think about with Cameron Harris, you know, last year, some of the times when his carries started to dwindle or not get as much during a game, some of the time, you know, I think about there was one, you know, pass protection where he just missed it. And then he just didn't yeah. get snapped. And I don't know if it was the rest of the game, but it was something noticeable. And I, and I apologize for not knowing the exact game, but I think about that. And I just think like, you know, just with Cam, they really did their best to, to sprinkle in the freshmen. It felt like they were, I don't know, it almost felt like they were going away from Cam whenever they could. So I, I just think that that's where they're headed with this. But again, I think Cameron Harris, his abilities, I, I like his abilities. I think he can bring things to the table. Yes. It just feels that way. And then, you know, and I do find it interesting because last year you had three backs and he wanted to rotate each guy in. They seemed to be okay with it every time they spoke publicly. And all three of them were at least, you know, with, um, I take that back with Cam. He, he was, he dealt with that in high school. Jalen was a little bit split a little bit in high school. Don was the feature back, although he did give up some carries in high school to other backs so they could limit his carries. So anyway, all three of the guys have dealt with not being the full on uh, back getting all those carries. So I think they're a little bit used to it, but it's definitely interesting. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Philosophically, do you agree with it? Like, do you, do you think running, you know, running backs are better when they know, Hey, I'm, I'm guaranteed 15 to 20 carries. Cause I think I don't have the exact stats ahead of, in front of me, but I think Cam Harris might've gotten more than 15 carries maybe twice. And I want to say it was both the first two games of the season. I could be wrong on that, but he really didn't get many opportunities to get in a rhythm during the course of a game. Um, just in general, though, do you think that helps a running back be more productive? To me, yes. I, I've always liked the one back thing. I understand why why football is going away from that. I understand, you know, fresh legs and things like that. To me personally, on a philosophical point, I just like the feature back. I like the one guy and I like the backup being ready to go whenever he gets his opportunity. I also, if that's how it's going to go in, um, for Miami, I, I, you've got it. I, I know, you know, we, we heard Jonathan Patkey mentioned the other day, with Don Chaney and Jalen, particularly in the kick return game, we've just not seen that. I would like to see whoever's not the future guy really get involved in um, kick return game. I think, you know, Jalen, for example, yeah. could be used in the passing game a little bit. I think there's ways to use those running backs, but, but yes, me personally, I, I like um, getting a back, you know, m the majority of the carries. It seems like too, kind of the line of demarcation, if you will, like whether or not that the guy is kind of viewed as a feature back, from a Miami perspective, you know, in recent years has been that 200 carry mark. And really it's been kind of a minute since Miami's had a back carry the ball at least 200 times. I think uh, Mark Walton was the last guy. I think the year before him, it was Joseph Yearby. And I think before him, Duke Johnson did it. Um, so you had three straight years, but there's been kind of a dry spell of guys, um, you know, carrying the ball at least 200 times in a season. Rhett Lashley during his career as an offensive coordinator, I think he's been an OC maybe eight or nine years. I think in six, six of those years, he's had a guy carry the ball at least 200 times. And every single one of those times when a guy carries the ball at least 200 times, they're cracking a thousand yards. And in general, that's been the case at Miami too, right? It's hard to not crack a thousand yards if you're carrying it that many times. So, um, I, I am excited by that. Like you hinted, um, you know, it does seem like it's going to be Don Chaney's year. Uh, just talking to people around Miami, it seems like uh, he's 
he is taking things to another level this spring. We'll see how it looks in the spring game and, and if you can carry that into the season. But yes, I agree. Lots to be excited about with Don Chaney and this philosophy with kind of making someone a featured running back. So next topic, you got anything, Chris? Yeah, I just want to quickly add one more note on, on the Chaney thing. Look, this might not mean anything. Maybe it does. But in terms of players that the, the UM has made available to us, in terms of the running backs, it's only been Chaney. We've not been able to talk to Harris or Knighton. So I take that mm-hmm. for what it's worth. But uh, no, no other, nothing there. But I guess um, sticking with the offense, let, let, let's stay with the offensive line. I, th- I think for me with the offensive line that's standing out is it's really shaping up to being – you know, you're kind of seeing exactly how it's going to play out in terms of battles. And I think that's a little bit different and I'll touch on the names, but in in years past, it's always been, it seems like it's like, well, we're going to try a guy here at left tackle and then left guard and move to right guard and right tackle and over the spring. And then we'll see how it works out. And then it feels like that carries over to the fall. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a week before the game and, and you're kind of just now settling into spots. It feels like that's how it's been. However, this spring, you return a bunch of guys. I understand that offensive line coach back for his second year in Garen Justice. The way it's shaping out, look, it seems like Zion Nelson left tackle and then right tackle. They moved DJ Scaife over from right guard to right tackle in a bar- battle with Jared Williams. That seems to be what it is. At left guard, it's going to be Jalen Rivers or J- Ja'Kai Clark. And mm-hmm. then center, you know, Corey Gaynor's back. And then at right guard, Navon Donaldson. It just feels like that's what it is. Those are the couple battles in there. I don't see it changing, but certainly it can. It, I think that's what stands out to me that you're not hearing a lot of uh, shifting around and these are the battles and this is what it is. And these really be our five guys or and seven are competing. So number, you know, the number one thing I think obviously to touch on with the offensive line, top eight guys, I think are back. That's obviously a big deal, but also too, and you hinted at it, you know, Garen Justice back as their offensive line coach. Um, Miami hasn't had that in, in a minute, you know, I think it's, it's the first time in what three seasons, maybe that this has happened. Um, and, and for a position group that depends so much on continuity, right? I think if there's one, one position in football that can maybe overcome any kind of lack of talent, so to speak with, uh, continuity with the way they play together, all that good stuff, it's, it's offensive line. And, you know, having the same offensive line coach year over year certainly helps that. So I think that's something to touch on there, too. You touched on, you know, kind of what the first team offensive line looks like at this point, Chris. Let me pin you down. If what do you feel like is happening at those position battles, left guard and right tackle? So left guard, what do you feel like is happening there with Ja'Kai Clark and Jalen Rivers if you're reading between the lines? I think, you know, based on what they said, coaches said last year, they really want to give Jalen Rivers a look and they are backing that up. Even though he didn't play much last year, they like his talent, his ability, working hard and things like that. I think Ja'Kai Clark's got a chance to stay in that spot, maybe at least initially, but I know they like Jalen Rivers and he'll be ready to go. So, and I think maybe everyone would be quick to say Jalen's going to win that spot. And maybe that's how you feel too. I just think maybe that experience, I could see Ja'Kai staying in there um, and kind of seeing how he does but having Jalen ready to go right tackle. I, I think Jared Williams was a better player last year yeah. than DJ scape. I think DJ really struggled. I think the fact that they don't even want to essentially try him at guard. I think that when DJ spoke to us in the media saying he likes tackle a lot more, 
than than, than guard, I think that's over. So he's going right. to either be that rotating in at that tackle spot. I, I think that's more of his role. Um, and he could play left if Zion's not able to, but I think Jared's going to win that. I'd be surprised if DJ um, <laughs> outplayed Jared. I, I, I still cannot get over because we haven't seen it, but Jared's in his seventh collegiate season, which is incredible. Yeah. Crazy. So, okay. Right guard, right. Navon Donaldson getting a lot of praise, right? Um, what do you make of that? It's good, but what stands out to me is is how well he's moving. You know, Mike Harley came out and said, look, he's running, he's jogging, you know, into or he's running. <laughs> Essentially means drills or different things, but he's actually moving well. And Navon said he's doing a lot better with his diet. And, and I, you know, when we talk about this with football players, you know, I always – try to be a little bit more sensitive to the actual issue of, you know, weight and weight loss and, and things sure. like that. I know we speak so technical with it, especially with football. Um, but I think it's good. It's good for Navon and, and Navon, you know, just hearing him talk feels good about himself. And I think it's a good sign. I, I think he was their best offensive lineman when he's played um, a couple years ago. And I certainly think it'd be great. He, he feels good at right guard if they could flip him to left guard, but they seem to like how they have it now and either way. But I think, you know, he's healthy and ready to go. I think he'll start. So I think one, one of my biggest issues the last two years in particular, and, and part of this is because they played younger guys that aren't as big and strong. Right. Um, and so I think this year's group obviously is older and, and bigger, stronger, been in the weight program, et cetera, for a few years now have some experience uh, for the most part across the line. So one of my biggest issues with the line the past couple of years is just in general, it was a finesse offensive line, right? They, they couldn't necessarily move people. And, and I think that was an issue we saw in some short yarded sit- situations last year. Also kind of, you know, at end of games, um, couldn't really kill the clock when, when everyone in the building knew Miami wanted to run the ball, et cetera, et cetera. I am intrigued because it seems like things are trending towards putting Jalen Rivers in at left guard, who is a big bodied athletic guy, 6'5, 325. And then, you know, right guard, uh, Navon Donaldson, probably the biggest offensive lineman uh, on the roster, 6'6, 345 ish range. Um, so, in theory, right, those two guys should be able to provide more push. Um, so, I, and, you know, along, Within that point, you know, you got another year of, of strength and development with Zion Nelson at left tackle. I think, you know, you mentioned it, Jared, Jared uh, Williams being a seventh year guy, uh, you know, obviously older, should be stronger. I think he honestly, too, was impacted by the fact that he didn't get a real offseason in a strength program. He's kind of more naturally like a basketball build. Um, and so he showed up at, at Miami basically late July, early August, and kind of had to, you know, focus on getting stronger, putting on weight in a short amount of time. Now he's kind of in that program uh, for an entire offseason, should be bigger, stronger, all that stuff as a seventh year guy, too. So I'm curious on, on your take on that, Chris. Do you think, now I'm not coming out and saying like, yeah, this group's going to come out and maul guys that, you know, I don't think you can flip a switch like that. But I do think this offensive line, uh, there is potential that maybe they're kind of getting away from being a finesse group, you know, just due to a lack of size, strength, ability, quite honestly, um, the past two years. Do you think 
this group can take a step forward in that regard. It's been something that I've been noticing, you know, with the transition of them making with this offense and also just the way that Manny Diaz has been talking, the strength seems on the line seem to be a point of emphasis. You know, I remember last year, you know, going into the season opener against UAB, a, a team not in that power five conference and just, you know, UAB had a, a they averaged out a, a bigger offensive line, I think. And I pointed that out. And I think people were a little surprised because, w- wait, why is Miami not, you know, why why is it not them? And so I think that was a little bit surprised. And you mentioned, you know, they've, they've got the ability to, to increase their, their strength up front. And I think it is going to be something. I think it's something also that, you know, with Rhett Lashley, I just keep going back to what we knew about him early on early on in the season last year, when he talked about a power spread offense, they want yeah. to, I think they want to run the ball. Yes. They, they showed it early and then they just got away from it. They feel like it wasn't working the way they'd like. I think maybe when you start looking at the offensive line identity with things that you're talking about, maybe it wasn't exactly, maybe they didn't know where to go with it in terms of how they wanted their line to shape up. But look, if he really wants to implement a back going 20 carries, you know, really be able to run the ball, get to that identity more than they did in, in years, you know, than last year. They want to improve the offensive line. They've got some guys to, to increase their, change their identity in a way. And, you know, with starting up front. And then also, like I said, Cheney's the bigger back of the three. And I think that that just kind of goes in line with what it seems like that they want to do. Um, and, and they've got to run the ball better. Look, they were middle of the pack last year in the ACC. I think sometimes everyone looks at, um, perception and, and what they think, how things are working and with, with whatever it might be at UM. But sometimes when you look at the numbers, you're like, well, why sounds like everything's great, but why are they average, you know, based on numbers. Right. So I, I think they've got to improve on their running game. I, I think it's, I think this is a way to do that. And I think they are seeing that and, and it'll be interesting to see if that's indeed what they do. Let me ask you this. I don't even, I don't know like what, where I stand on this, quite frankly, but I think it's an interesting discussion. And then we'll, we'll take a break, move on to the defense. Um, I think it, you know, it's been pretty obvious that the offensive line has been the weak link of the offense for how many years now, right? It's, it's been many, many years where that's been the case here at Miami, at least five years, right? Do you feel like that is still the case with this year's offense? Do you still view them? as the weak link um, for the attack. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think when you think about a strong offensive line, you think the 2013 one stands out to me. I think all five of those guys played in the NFL at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that. Uh, Linder, Chantrell, you know, those guys, Feliciano. Um, And so as those guys kind of left the program, it really hasn't kicked back up. I think when you talk about maybe a strength, you look at this offensive line, and you got to just look at like, can they be quality college guys? Cause I think when, yes. I think sometimes when you look at this, you're like, well, can any of these guys play in the NFL or will they, will they get drafted? I, I don't know. I think Jared Williams would have left if he was confident he was going to be drafted, um, you know, last right. year. So maybe he could, I, I don't know. They like Zion. I know he's projected, you know, he's had a lot of playing time and things like that, but you know, the, I, I know. I guess what asking, I'm asking, like, what do the you wide receiver group? I know. Yes. Yeah. Who do you trust more? The, the O-line at this point or the wide receiver group? And honest, I don't know. I don't know how I feel on that. And that probably speaks more to the wide receiver group, quite frankly, than like how good the offensive line is. But I'm curious, you know, how would you, I guess, where do you stand between those two groups? Yeah. Uh, 
Man, that's tough. And I know, cause when you're looking at receiver, you're like, okay, well, they've got some talent. Some guys do some good things. You know, um, you got Mike Harley, you know, and I, I know the, the talk with Pope and Wiggins, they do have some assets. Uh, Rambo's got some speed. Uh, at, and then the young guys, you know, they flash, but yeah, it's hard to see. I guess with the receiver position, I, I just look at Derek King as really being able to boost those guys. I think, and I think that's yeah. what we saw last year. Remember how last year, the beginning of the year, not a lot of production. And then all of a sudden they kind of got it going. Harley got it going. Right. Um, Derek was starting to find some deep guys. I think they've got enough speed and ability um, while they might not be as well-rounded as you would like. I, I kind of trust their ability to make plays at the college level with Derek aiding that maybe more so than the offensive line. I, I think what maybe with the offensive line still struggling with a, a dominant performance. And I, I think too, uh, if the running game gets going, I think sometimes when the running game is not going, it's because of the offensive line. So right. I, I think that's, I guess I would, you know, yeah, it's tough, but I guess I would trust the receivers more. Okay. Even though the O-line has experience. I think I would probably, again, it's like, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I'd probably trust the O-line a little bit more right now, but I think it's an interesting discussion. And I'm not necessarily saying the O-line's like a super elite, great group. They, they got to make strides. They got to get better than they were last year. Um, I guess I'm just not as high on the, the wide receiver group outside of Mike Carly. Um, you know, but we'll see. We'll, we will have a, I think we'll have a better understanding when we get to watch the spring game, how, how yeah. those receivers look. Just jumping in. Now that I think about it real quick, Navon Donaldson has an addition. I don't think the yeah. wide receiver group has that addition. I don't think Rambo is that much of an impact the way that Navon will be on the O-line. So, and I think Jalen, I think Jalen, we'll see, but I think he can be a big time. Jalen Rivers can be a huge addition. So we'll see. He's got to beat out Ja'Kai. I think right now Ja'Kai is probably the starter, but if Jalen keeps coming, it's going to be a situation where they can't leave him on the bench. So we'll see how that plays out too. Um, so yeah, let's take a break here. Uh, we, we shared some of our quick thoughts on the offense. Let's, on the other side, get into the defense, Chris. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back, and we're going to jump into the defensive side of the ball now, Chris. Uh, again, you have the honors. Where do you want to start with this thing? I want to start with Avante Williams uh, at safety. I think what surprises me a little bit, and it's not that he's not talented. We expected that. It's just he's been kind of the talk of the spring with the defense, really. I, I'm kind of going through the list of defensive players, and to me, Avante Williams standing out. Coaches like him. Players, even fellow safeties, Garvin Hall and Mari Carter have talked really highly about him. 
his energy. We, we saw he had an interception in the scrimmage, so he's doing well there. So that's great to see. So I think it's Avante, and I think it's surprising to me in the sense that he's making this big of an impact based on what players and coaches are saying. I, I think mm-hmm. you expect him to do well, but again, this is a, a group that returns its top three safeties from a year ago, And but here's Avante. And, um, you know, and also completely overshadowing the guys, the other safeties that have been here. You know, we're not really even hearing much about them. Um, the, the other young guys on, on, the staff, right. on the roster. So I think it's kind of the Avante, you know, he's been the talk of the spring. And I think that's been a little bit surprising, even though he's talented. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit it raised my eyebrows, right. When I think it was like after what the second or third spring practice, when Manny Diaz essentially said, yeah, Avante plays uh, pedal to the metal so fast, so hard, always around the ball. It almost reminds me of, you know, Jalen Phillips at this point last year when Jalen was kind of working his way back uh, during spring football. But you could tell, oh, wow, this guy is supremely talented. If he starts putting it all together, he's going to be special. So the fact that Manny would even hint at that to me was surprising yet encouraging. Um, I will say, you know, again, Going back to the thing I said about Jake Garcia, right? Is Avante making plays with the first team defense? I don't think that's necessarily the case, but, you know, again, baller's ball, right? You, you put Avante on the field, he finds a way to make plays, and it's going to be a matter of time before they start giving him those first team reps and seeing how he handles those situations, seeing how he does um, with the starters. And, and I don't think that's necessarily far away with him. Um, do you think like Chris, do you think he will get a legitimate, like not, maybe not a starter role, but do you think like we've seen Miami in recent years, rotate three or four guys. Um, you mentioned they returned three guys, uh, from last year that, that played a lot. Do you think Avante can crack that playing rotation, be a guy who plays maybe 20 or 30 defensive snaps here in 2021? Yeah, I definitely could see it happening. And, and I think the the big thing is that I feel like it's a wait-and-see approach with Amari Carter. And I know Coach Diaz mentioned they want to get through that first scrimmage. He's not talked about position change with Amari. Um, but maybe you could see Amari kind of sliding into a different role. Maybe. I, I don't yeah. know. I, and I don't want to jump to that. Um, that would certainly open the door up more for Avante. I think that's the biggest hurdle. I'm not very high on Gervin Hall, to be honest with you. I sure. think he's an okay player. I We've not heard this kind of gushing rave right. reviews about Gervin at this level uh, at any point in his career. Um, and we've seen what Gervin's been on the field. I think Gervin's okay. I I just think Avante's really emerged. I, what strikes me too is how, how hard he's playing. That's such a big thing. Yeah playing hard because at the least at the very least this is a guy that should be able to make an impact on special teams and I think that's a great thing and you know if he did how much he gets on defensive snaps if they like the play of the safeties if they feel like Amari and Gervin are are giving them enough you know Avante won't play a ton um, but it's certainly opening the door up for him in the future and and I feel like you know one play away an injury or anything like that or, or subpar play and Avante could be right in there um, and again, this is all playing alongside Bubba because I think Bubba's going to play a yeah. ton and play the most, and he's got that thing locked up the other side. Yeah, going back to when Avante was was a recruit, right? The, the thing that stood out about him 
besides this, the physical speed he played with, um, you know, he, he's just an alpha dog. He, he, he obviously loves football, loves coming up and smacking people. Um, doesn't shy away from contact can also cover you, uh, from the safety spot. So he's got that fluid athleticism, but the thing I'm, I'm encouraged by, right. Is that it appears that he is, he hasn't lost that alpha dog mentality because, um, you know, he was, he had to be held out of football, um, you know, from what June, July until here in March, right. When, when they started getting back to, to spring football. So injuries can mess with guys, uh, mentally sometimes. Um, so it's good to see that, that Avante still has that mentality about him because that is one of his strengths as a player. Um, he, he does love the game and he's gonna, like Manny Diaz said, he's going to play pedal to the metal. Anything else you want to add on Avante or should we move on? Just the things you're saying, what strikes me is that that's not always the case. And right. even with talented players, it sometimes it takes them a little bit. And sometimes, you know, they can't just earn the coach's trust immediately. It takes them some time. And I think I just want to make sure people understand that the things we're talking about Avante, it doesn't always it's not like that with everybody, even if they are highly regarded coming out of high school. And it's certainly if you're trying to pick out a trait and something you want to back and, and be a believer in it, it's that hardworking pedal to the metal, fast mentality type stuff that you're hearing, loving the game, the passion. And it's not just you saying it or any, I mean, players are noticing it. So right. um, I, it seems like things are opening up for him and it's only April. We've still got six more practices left and, you know, the thinking of what he can finish the spring with, the, the, have another strong off season, fall camp. You know, I, I think that there's going to be a lead role or a large role for him if this continues, because it seems like it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. If he keeps playing this hard, he keeps showing this mentality. You know, there's guys that are returning. We talk about that a lot, but look, Miami's defense could need, does need an upgrade. You know, they do need yes. better play. And I think they're not going to be able to rely on the defensive end play from last year. They're going to need to pick it up. And if you want to have one of these top three defenses in the ACC, it seems like mentality, ability, guys like Avante are, are what you need moving forward. So you kind of transition into what I want to bring up now, and that's the defensive end play, right? And this should probably be expected, but I'm, I don't know if worried's the right word, but you know, I'm cautiously watching that group, that defensive end group, just because there is a drop-off. Obviously, you lose a guy like Jalen Phillips, who now, you know, could be picked in the top half of the first round. Uh, and a guy like Quincy Roche, very, very good college player, could be selected in, in you know, maybe the second round, probably third, fourth uh, is the fairest uh, place to expect him to be picked which obviously indicates he is a major talent on the college level. Um, you know, just kind of what I'm hearing, you know, Miami had like, basically what I'm hearing is, you know, people are saying, well, we, we certainly don't have what we had last year. Right. Um, now I think guys are flashing. I think, you know, some talent is showing, so they're not necessarily bereft of talent, but it's not consistent and it's not game changing. And my, I'll, I'll admit like my antenna kind of went up after that first scrimmage when 
Manny Diaz was, you know, he, he gave the media the stats that, that we could use, right? And, you know, typically when this has happened, there's a defensive end or two that are highlighted as racking up sacks or tackles for loss, et cetera, et cetera. And that wasn't the case. And maybe it was, you know, uh, um, you know, just a miss, miss sight by Manny to highlight someone. But so I, I kind of did a little bit of digging and what I was told was what I just said earlier, you know, guys are flashing, but it's not quite there yet. Um, I am curious if it, if it will get there. I think it's a big summer. You know, you got guys like Zach McLeod still learning the position. Uh, they need some young guys, whether that's Chance Williams, Cam Williams, Jafari Harvey, who need to take that next step. Guys, those guys are certainly athletic, but they need to uh, start having that athleticism turn into production. And so I am, I guess what I'm getting at is I think this could be uh, the least productive edge group we've seen of the Manny Diaz era, which, you know, look, it's been a high level every year. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of been in that B plus a minus range for five straight years. Now, is it going to be in that, in that range in 2021? I would probably say, hopefully it's in that B minus range, but I think that's why we're hearing so much, you know, beyond, you know, obviously last year, the run defense wasn't good enough, right? So that needs to improve, of course. But I think another layer to that is they know, hey, if, if we can stop the run, we will make our pass rusher, we will put our pass rushers in much easier situations to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. And so then, you know, they can generate those negative plays that way. Um, so I, I'm just a little concerned about defensive end in general. Um, but again, it's a young group. We'll see how they progress during the summer and, and even in the spring game, we'll see how it all looks. And, uh, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are from that position group, Chris. I think when you mentioned the thing about the stats, one of the things too, of, of not getting the sacks, the way they tally it typically is they kind of give the benefit of the doubt that it is going to be a sack because they just stop the play and let the, you know, instead of hitting the quarterback, so they give the guy the sack. So the fact that it, it almost feels like it's inflated at times. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it wasn't mentioned, that does kind of stand out. I just think this group, and we talk about it, you know, who's going to be the most productive guy. And, and it's hard to pick out a guy because I, again, they don't need to have the the three first, you know, the three productive players that they had, you know, with Rousseau, Jalen and Quincy, they don't have to have one of those, but do they have that next tier of a productive guy, a productive season, whether it's a Joe Jackson, Jonathan Garvin type, even a Trent Harris type. And it just feels like if we were to guess, like all those guys still seem to be um, behind the guys they have now seem to be behind what those guys brought to the team at this point. I think one of the things that stands out to me too is, I don't know about you, but it feels like Zach McLeod is legitimately in this mix. It feels like oh, he yeah. could legitimately be a starter. And yes. I think when people hear that, they're like, wait, what? Why is a linebacker able to jump right in? And I think to me, it stands out that they don't have a defensive end or, or a couple that they feel completely comfortable and confident in. So that's why Zach's going to be in the mix. And I think that is more of a telling sign, you know, and who knows if Zach's going to be able to be productive at that spot and we'll see um, how it goes. But I, I just think it's more on the other guys. And 
I think what stands out to me, we talked about some young guys. I think Jafari Harvey, I mean, let's go, right? Like this is, yeah, yeah. you've been here a few years. Like let's get it going. This is his year really. And what we've seen in years past at Miami is when guys get the opportunity to play, they typically do well and perform. That's usually yes. how it goes. So, you know, whether they didn't have production before, it's usually be because they, they weren't in the mix that much. They didn't have the playing time is what I'm saying. So, Harvey in there. Let, let's go. Let's see it. Let's let's see what he can do. This is his time, year three. And, and, you know, we've not heard. It almost feels like when we ask about him, it kind of feels like they'll talk about him, but it's his name doesn't get brought up all that often. Yeah, on their organically. Own. Does, yeah. does that make sense? Like, yep. And I think people should understand some of the times you read the answer, you're like, well, why didn't they talk about? Well, the question was not asked about that. I think there's some of that that goes on, but just uh, just kind of telling you guys or kind of helping with the process. Sometimes we ask open-ended questions. Hey, how's defensive end doing? They say it. How's so-and-so doing? And they'll say that. I just, we just don't hear, uh, we haven't heard, not just this spring, just in general, it's been more um, kind of asked specifically about him, but he's the guy to me. And I've, you know, I've talked a lot about the linebacker. I think this front seven has a lot of question marks, uh, frankly, that defensive end and, you know, you kind of, it feels like uh, it's kind of flipped it, right? It feels like the def- the defensive backs have had a lot of attention on them. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand it, but really I think of the three, lo- three groups, I think it's the best group. Uh, yes. I don't think it's close. I think that the secondary is the best of the three. And I think the other two have a lot of, I think they've got a lot of work to do to be quality uh, units. I do think, you know, it, it is worth noting, right? This Manny Diaz defense is, extremely friendly to defensive ends, right? It's not necessarily hard to produce because the positions you're put in within this defense, I think every year they've had a defensive end total at least eight sacks in a season. Right. Um, So I guess, let me just ask you this and we can move on to your next talking point, Chris, but if you were going to say a defensive end over under seven and a half sacks, at least one defensive end, whoever it is on the team this year, would you pick the over or under on that? Yeah, I'd go with the under. Um, and I think maybe you you have a guy that get a couple sacks early in the year and all of a sudden you think, oh, he'll definitely get 10. Uh, I just, at this point, I'd have to say under. Um, I'm still yeah. waiting to see if these guys can, can produce. I don't disagree. I need to see more. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious how they look in the spring game. So we'll see. We'll see how you know, the type of pressure Harvey puts on, how Zach McLeod looks, you know, now that he's been working there uh, for, for a few months, you know, with the new weight he's put on, et cetera. So it's a big question mark, in my opinion, and it's obviously a very important position in this Manny Diaz defense. All right, Chris, what, what do you want to jump into now? I guess my other takeaway on defense is, I guess we'll just start with Corey Fla- or go with Corey Flagg, yeah. linebacker. And it's, it's the way that people are talking about him. It's not necessarily, uh, I, I think he's got, to me, he's got stuff to prove. I, I'm still a little cautious of his athletic ability, frankly. Um, sure. This, the lack of uh, flat out speed kind of concerns me. However, yeah. the way that the teammates and coaches are talking about him, it seems like he's going to be their starting middle linebacker. It seems like he's doing all the right things, stays, you know, after practice or he's always in the facility. I remember, uh, coach is talking about that this spring that he's always around to his point 
I just mentioned his speed. Corey mentioned when he had an interview with us that it's something he's working on. He right. shed some weight. He knows he feels like it's okay. Like he feels like he can get sideline, you know, get there. He just feels like it needs to improve a little bit more. So to his point, to his credit, he knows it's an area he wants to improve on. And, and we'll see how a guy that's known for his hard work um, in the off season and those kind of things, those intangibles that are so valuable, we'll see how he does. And, and, you know, he doesn't need to, you know, be this flat out guy that flies around like a Rocky McIntosh or Tavares good and type or anything like that. But just being, um, having that quality speed, I think is going to be important. I think it's important for this defense because of the way they implement that, that essentially the third linebacker, you know, that striker spot, um, with having that two true linebackers in the, on the field quite a bit, you've got to have guys that can go sideline to sideline. So, but it just seems like Corey, I think that's a takeaway. I think he's really, you know, we haven't heard much about Jennings and Jennings started all the games there last year. And all the talk is about all the things that Corey's doing well and talking and communicating. I think it was bubble. uh, I forget what the players, I don't want to say the name, but just feels like he's walking around like a veteran. Like he's been there a long time based on how vocal he's been. Last year, the, the play at middle linebacker wasn't good enough, right? That, that's fairly obvious. Just not enough production. Um, just very, very poor. Do you think, you know, do you, do you think with Corey Flagg there, will the, will the play improve? Do you expect improvement in 2021? Now, I'm not saying, is it to the Miami standard? Because I think that's a different conversation. But, you know, let's say the middle linebacker play last year graded out at a D, right? Do you, do you expect this year's middle linebacker play to improve? I think Corey's a guy that strikes me as he's going to keep improving individually um, with experience, with time, with progression in the off season. If you're around and working hard so often, so much, I think he's, I think he's going to improve. So whether that shows up early in the season, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if it's there, but I think as he gets real experience, he got some last year at times, but being the guy is a lot different than just filling in whenever possible. So I think he could improve it. I think maybe, you know, with his instincts tackling ability, I think maybe runs up the middle, he could be better. You know, maybe they improve at that spot um, just with a little bit more bulk, a little bit more instincts there. Maybe he can shed blocks a little bit better than what Jennings was doing last year. Um, and then McLeod obviously making that transition, not at linebacker anymore. So we'll see who else, who else is there. So I think the you'd like to say that the play can improve. We'll, we'll see how it goes though. Yeah. The, the point I, the next talking point I want to get, get to, but before we get out of here, Chris is that other linebacker spot, right? The weak side spot. And quite frankly, I don't know what to make of it. I don't, I honestly don't know if Miami knows what to make of it. Um, which again, I'm not reporting anything, but I would not be surprised if an intriguing option enters in the transfer portal if Miami makes a move for that weak side linebacker spot. But in terms of the guys that are there this spring, the guys that are going through uh, spring football, it seems like Sam Brooks is limited, right? So he, it seems like he's still dealing with his toe thing that kind of plagued him all of last year. And maybe that explains why he didn't necessarily take a step forward in 2020 in general with his play. Um, but he, he appears to be kind of limited with what he can do this spring, which, which is tough because this would have been a nice time for him to develop. Um, and it seems like Wayman Steed and Avery Huff might be splitting some of the, the first team reps. Avery Huff, 
very uh, talented in terms of athleticism. Um, you know, he, he, the coaches have always been frank about what has held him back from playing. And I guess it's his understanding of, of how to fit within the, within the defense. Right. So take, take that how you want to take that. I don't know. Um, it, you know, Manny Diaz prides himself on playing a simplistic style of defense. Um, but I guess, you know, to this point, it hasn't necessarily clicked with Avery Huff, but Avery did get praise following the first scrimmage, right? Which I think, you know, is, is somewhat encouraging if the most athletic linebacker on the roster um, starts getting praise. So what do you make of this situation at weak side linebacker? Are you concerned? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, but the thing, not just that he got praise, but it was that he got praise in the area he needed to work on the most. They really praised his ability um, from the mental side and knowing where to be and, and those kinds of things. And I think that's really, it feels like the first time that we've heard him getting praise in that area of his play. And they, you know, yeah. it was noted, look, he's also showing that athleticism and speed that they are mentioning that that still stands out. So it's a good sign for the Avery Huff fans and, and for Avery himself that if he's essentially just starting to get it, understand it, um, he could easily be a guy that they feel comfortable in if they feel like he, he's running in the right direction, frankly. So good sign for him. He's one of those guys that I'm very curious to see because I do think if he finishes out the spring, has does well in the summer, I could see him certainly be in there because they have to look at the 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 weakness of the defense last year and some of the struggles that they had against the run. And some of it had to do with not being able to get to the sideline fast enough, have enough speed. And they've made some of these other adjustments of what they want their, with their defense, um, whether it's different guys, if they are going to go with flag and um, make a move there, maybe they look at Avery, like, look, we've got to have a speed guy out there. Right. Let's go with that. I'm intrigued by that. You could see the staff looking at that. So I think Avery, he's the one to watch. Um, and he hasn't always been clearly, I think with Brooks, yeah, he's, he's limited. They revealed that he's still limited. So we'll see. I could certainly see him, um, earning that spot in the fall. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, but, but right now I, I think Avery's the one to watch for. Would you be surprised? And again, it has to be the right guy, right? They're not going to just go tra- chase anyone in the portal. Would you be surprised if they, if they entertained a portal option? you know, during the summer, if one popped in the portal. Not surprising the fact that they need to upgrade. However, it is a, it's kind of an interesting spot to upgrade at that spot. Um, you know, they, I felt like they would have done that before, but they really feel like they're okay at linebacker and they really like Corey, it seemed like. So they really just want to give him a shot. Um, it's an interesting spot to just jump right in, but I don't know. I, I'm kind of either way. I, I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't get someone um, even though like I felt like going into the portal, going into the off season, if I were to pick one position for Miami to get somebody, it was linebacker. Um, but I, I'm just kind of like reading between it. And it kind of seems like they, I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of stayed pat with it. Last thing. Do, do you feel better about the situation at middle or at weak side? Well, they feel better at middle. <laughs> I feel like they like Corey a lot more. I feel like it's such a big position to do well, even though with the two linebackers, the way they run their defense, you know, there's a lot of attention on both spots and they're key. I just feel like, is there, 
maybe you can, I don't know if hiding is the right term to use, but maybe you can get by with the linebacker with some speed at that weak side spot. Um, yeah. It's kind of harder to mask or to cover up a middle linebacker that's not producing and doing well, that doesn't have all of the attributes that you need. Um, but again, Corey's a guy that, that they like with the, him working hard and all of those things. So if he's going to be the guy, um, maybe he can kind of turn into a productive player, but I just think the middle linebacker spot, I would always want to have that position legitimately solidified without question marks. Um, I would feel more comfortable with that. And I think um, you could get someone to play alongside that middle linebacker a lot easier than really just filling that spot, but it's kind of reverse. So I, I would, I would feel more comfortable and whoever deciding to put at at the weak side um, would probably be my answer. Once again, even though that it definitely feels like it's reversed from the staff's point of view. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea of Corey flag, right. You know, seems like a football junkie seems like he really wants to work hard at improving, like you said. Um, but again, you know, football is all about big, fast, strong in a lot of ways. Um, so we'll see if Corey can, can take the next step in that regard in, in reshaping his body and improving his speed sub, like he said, quite frankly, this spring. So he embraces that process and, and we'll see if he can get there. Um, yeah, I think this was a fun conversation, Chris, uh, catching up on some spring football, we got what, I think maybe six more practices um, before off-season football gets wrapped up. I think they'll have another scrimmage here this weekend. And then the spring game at Hard Rock Stadium on, on April 17th. So there's going to be plenty more of football news and, and nuggets coming out here over the next two weeks. Stay locked on to InsideTheU.com for all the great content. Check out everyone on Twitter. Uh, Chris, if you haven't checked it out, does a good job on the YouTube page, um, you know, given the latest updates on football and, and other sports as well. So stay locked in. Thanks everyone for listening. I think maybe on the next podcast, we'll, we'll touch a little bit on recruiting. We'll have Gabby on with us and as things are, are starting to get set up in terms of official visits and top six, top eight, top 10 lists with these recruits. So we'll dive into that on the next podcast. And uh, thanks, Chris. This was a fun one. All right. Take care. Take care, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.